heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcast platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. I know I'm not Canadian. I was going to say I'm not Canadian. I'm not American, but happy Thanksgiving to anyone out there celebrating. Um, I have a very special guest back on the show for his second time. Uh, One award I want to give to him that he was never recognized for, apart from his new dog, Reese, is the 2015 Father of the Year for leaving the... uh, 2015 divisional game early to go tend to his uh, sick. Uh, his wife was sick and his uh, one of his kids was sick, I believe. Pat Lane, welcome back. Uh, we got some more uh, grievances to air, and also too, we're going to talk some other football to kind of lighten the mood. All right, man. Hey, man, dude. Thank you for the award. I appreciate it. That uh, that's one of those moments where, like, I, I don't, I don't regret it. Obviously, because family comes first, and like you know, you got to do what you got to do, but. Not being in the stadium for that game, uh, you know, for those moments and hearing it and seeing the and seeing the clips and everything, it's just like it's so frustrating. Of course, I got you know I've had season tickets forever, so like I have all the great memories of Snowball and everything else. But like, but that game, that's one of the best games ever played in Foxborough, and, and to miss that game is is frustrating. But I now I got the award, I got the I got the 2015 uh, you know Dad of the Year award, so I, I can't complain. You know what I mean? But uh, but I'm excited. I'm excited to talk to you, Griff, again. It should be fun. And uh, you're right. We're going to air out some grievances and uh, talk a little Patriots and then maybe get into some other talk, too, and, you know, lighten the mood, like you said, a little bit. I like that. Exactly. That's why I said. Kind of like uh, just, you know, lighten the mood a little bit because, like, at the end of the day, even though – because the last time you were on here was right after the Denver Broncos game where it was just like, okay, what was that? And then we were looking to San Francisco, and then San Francisco I was expecting, okay, we're going to bounce back. And I was – just like, oh, I don't even want to talk about that game. Uh, and then Buffalo happened where you've probably seen it before, but the replay of when uh, Russell Wilson threw the interception of Butler and all you see is Pete Carroll go like, oh, no, and then just drop his headset and like his like hands just fall into his knees. Like I literally had the same reaction when Cam fumbled. And then there was the New York uh, Jets game where I'm like, embrace the sock. This is awful. And then we win somehow. And then... We win against Baltimore in, like, the most improbable game ever. I went in that game having zero confidence, and then I had all the confidence in the world going into Sunday, and, well, Cam looked okay, but our defense laid an egg. Well, and that's that's really what it comes down to. I think, you know, people are blaming Cam, and look, I – it's interesting because I – I was on the fence about Cam at the beginning of the year. I, you know, a noted Stidham guy. I, I loved Stidham. I was high on Stidham. I thought he was going to be, the, you know, QB1 going into the year. I thought the Patriots had bought into him being QB1. Cam comes in, and and I was still leery about his health and whether he could do it. I mean, the, they got him for nothing. He literally, he when he signed his deal, he had less guaranteed money on his contract than Brian Hoyer. So, like, you know, of course you were right to question it. And he's come in, and he's played well. And so for me, you really can't question him, you know? And, and I think he's played pretty well. Now, I do think he is a little um, he is a little limited, I would say. That's my personal opinion. I would, I would say he's a little bit limited. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I mean, what are you going to do? Like, I, I think that 
He's put up great, very good numbers, and he certainly hasn't been the problem, right? He's done everything that he can to bring them back and win these games. And unfortunately, like you said, the defense on Sunday was really, really bad. And, you know, only allowed six points in the second half. The only problem is is that before before the three and out at the end of the game where they were just killing clock, the Texans had three drives. So, like, yeah, they went three and out once. They had 11-play drive that ended in a field goal and an eight-play drive that ended in a field goal. So, you know, yes, okay, fine, great. They only allowed six points, but they allowed them to score on two of the three drives that they had. So, like, they didn't really step up when they needed to. They didn't really make big plays, and they were zero, zero game-changing defensive plays, zero. And this team, with the offensive talent that they have, they have to have one or two game-changing defensive plays a game. You have to. And they weren't able to do that. And so, you know, that, to me, that's that's the game right there, especially against an elite quarterback. And he showed how elite he was on Sunday night, or uh, on Sunday. Uh, Deshaun Watson was an absolute monster on Sunday. Exactly. That game was a simple reminder of, hey, the Texans are 2-7, and seven, but, yeah, that's right. They've got a, well, for the time being, national championship winning quarterback at, with Clemson on their side of the field. And also, too, their defensive line, like, J.J. Watt looked like J.J. Watt for the – I haven't watched much Texans football, but he played really well batting down some passes. But also, too, yep. Michael, who I will say right now, Patriot Player of the Year is Michael Owen, who managed to have – like, I know Watt didn't get to the quarterback and he had the uh, balls batted down, but the fact that Watt had no quarterback pressures does say a lot about this offensive line. He's never had a sack in his career against the Patriots. I mean, that's – He's played the Patriots quite a few times, and he has never had a sack in his career against the Patriots. I mean, it really speaks to Belichick, you know, doing what he does best, which is eliminating what, you know, your best player on offense or defense. And, you know, Watt's been their best player forever, and he's always, you know, devoted extra people to Watt. And, of course, on Wenu did have Watt one-on-one at times, and Win I'm sure, had Watt one-on-one at times. But the vast majority of the time, they were getting a chip or some sort of help. There was extra attention being paid to J.J. Watt because he is that disruptive. And for the most part, it worked. Now, of course, he had the, he had the knockdowns. I think Cam, that's that's really where Cam struggles the most is throwing the short ball. I think his mechanics, I don't know if he doesn't set his feet. I'm not sure what it is, but his short to intermediate ball accuracy and delivery just isn't that good. His his like long range accuracy is great. He's been great throwing the ball downfield the last few games, but that short that short stuff, the crossing routes, the flat routes, the screen passes, they they're kind of a mess right now. And, it, and I'm not sure why. You would think those would be the easy ones, and I don't know if it's a you know to me it's got to be some sort of a mechanical thing because there's no other explanation for it. You know? Yeah, exactly. The one, I, I thought you just put the point this out because I was actually uh, watching the game Sunday with uh, a buddy of mine who actually was on the last episode that I posted on Monday. Um, he, Him and I noticed quickly that it was actually, I think it's his footing on some of his passes where it was like, if it was just shifted a little bit, or not even shifted, but he didn't look planted. He just looked like he was just trying to get the ball off. But then he has plays like that where he can't get it off, but then he has that absolute dime to bird for that touchdown. Right. So it's kind of like... Literally, I've seen this from many people. This team takes a step forward, but then they'll take two steps back, and then, like they yeah, did it, like with, like Baltimore was this game where I'm like, okay, four and five. If we go five and five, we're good. Now we're four and six. So 
there's like a small part of me that's still clinging on to that hope of like, hey, if we do this, but the realistic in me is starting to go, you know what, let's pack it in for this year, try to focus on 21 and answer the questions of who's going to be on this team. I mean, it's a it's a good point, dude, because it is one of those questions, right? Do you want to win? Do you want to lose? And of course, Belichick's never going to tank, right? That's not, they're not going to go into full tank mode. Although, I think at some point, if you keep losing, not to keep pumping the Stidham train, but I think if you keep losing, and even if you're sold on camp, right? And and that's a discussion that we can we can have afterwards. But like, I, I look at it and I just think you got to put Hoy, uh, Stidham in at some point. Give him a shot and see what you have because maybe you know he sucks. Maybe you do. I don't know. But if you're out of playoff contention anyways and you're not going to get there, give him a game or two. What the hell? I mean, what harm can it do, right? If you're not going to make the playoffs and now, yeah, you're not going to make the playoffs. And so if you lose an extra game, you lose an extra game. Oh, so what? Oh, you would have beaten Miami in Miami with, with Cam? Maybe you would have. But you give Stidham the game anyways, and then you see what happens. If you lose because it's Stidham, then so what? You get a better draft pick. Like, it doesn't matter. And so that's the type of stuff for me that I expect at some point to see him if they're out of it. If they're out of it, out of it. They lose this week, and they're not completely out of it yet because three of the teams that they have tiebreakers against lost. So they have some tiebreakers that they can that they can theoretically get into the playoffs. But it's becoming harder and harder every week. And, you know, you lose again, and you get the four and seven. Now you're going to win your last five, and you're playing the Rams, who look really good right now. You're playing Buffalo at home. You're playing Miami in Miami. Those are three really tough games that I don't know if they can win. And so now, you know, that's that's awfully difficult to ask them to go 5-0 and and finish 9-7 and and somehow sneak into the playoffs. And by the way, the AFC is really good this year. 9-7 and may not even get you into the playoffs. No, exactly. Um, the one thing I will say, though, is, is I do want them to win the Miami game, not for pride, but because it happens to land on my birthday. And that's uh, the only thing. Yes, December 20th, week 15. That is my birthday. That's that's all I ask from this team. That'd be nice. Yeah, that'd it be would nice. be nice. But I also was starting to say this, too. I'm like, watch. They're going to win against Arizona, the Rams, the Dolphins, <laughs> and the Bills, and they're somehow going to lose to the Jets and the Chargers and go 8-8. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, it's, 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 that would be disastrous. Imagine I, they lose. I think they had the Jets last week of the season, right? Jets are yes. 0-15, and they beat the Patriots to, to stop themselves. from. Let me tell you something. I don't care what their record is. The Patriots are going to pull out all the stops to not lose to the Jets the last week of the season. Bill Belichick hates the Jets, and especially if he has a chance to be the one to make them go 0-16, oh, my God, he would relish that. He would do anything to beat that team. He do- it doesn't matter what it what it has to be. So that one that one is a one that they, they will never lose that game. The Jets game, no. That's that's like the Super Bowl for the Patriots every year. No, I was just saying that as a joke, just like a watch. No, no, like I, know, I know what you're saying, though. We, but, I mean, you're right. Like, it's like, yeah. you know, knowing the way this team plays, it's like, oh, they beat all the hard teams and lose to the shitty teams, you know? Exactly. That's what I was saying, like, where it's like, I just have a weird feeling, too. They're going to beat Buffalo and Miami Week 15, 16, because obviously Buffalo and Miami play each other Week 17. I remember saying earlier this year, Buffalo-New England Week 16 on Monday Night Games is going to be for the division. At this rate, I wouldn't be shocked if that Buffalo and Miami game's on Sunday Night Football Week 17 for the... Certainly might get flexed. Yeah. Although we'll see. Two were getting benched last week. I mean, who the heck knows where they're headed after that? Part of me sees that as like... Um, like when, because I think people make it too much of a big deal out of that. Like, remember when Cam was benching in San Francisco and Bill went over and kind of like patted him, saying like, "Ah, it's okay, buddy. Just like kind of take the rest of the day off." And then they put in Fitzpatrick, and then like they still like like how we put in Stidham and, against San Fran. 
right. compare it to that. I look at it as, you know what, he notices he's not playing well, so let's just give him the day off just so he has time to regroup. And what better opponent to regroup against than the New York Jets who they've got this coming Sunday? You're absolutely right about that. I just think for me personally, the kid's in his, he's, what, his fourth career start and you pull him for playing like crap. To me, it's just like, this is the guy we're rolling with no matter what. And someone made a good point. I was listening to Jeff Darlington today, and he made a great a good point. He said, look, you know, just imagine, like, of, of the four outcomes that you could happen, right? You could lose with Tua. You could win with Tua. You could lose with uh, Fitzpatrick, or you could win with Fitzpatrick, right? The one that is far and away better than all of the other ones is winning with Tua. Imagine if Tua had somehow engineered a comeback and they had won that game. I mean, my God, they would have been floating on cloud nine. It was like they would have been the team of destiny. You know what I mean? And, like, to me, with a young quarterback like that, you've turned the reins over to him. You're playing well. He's 3-0. and He hasn't lost yet. They're playing great. They're in the hunt for the division. And you just say, hey, kid, listen, I know you're struggling today. Put your big boy pants on and get back out there and see what happens. You know, like, that. that's the way I would have handled it. Now, maybe Flores is right for doing it the way he did. I don't know. I don't know the situation. I'm not sure if he looked at Tua and Tua was like, the lights got too bright for him or he started playing like crap and he got down on him. I don't know what it was. Right? And maybe he's right about that. I just feel like where he's so young into his career. And I see it with Newton because it's like, he's a veteran. And you're like, hey, look, man, it's not your day. All right? We're going to get you out of here. We don't want to get you hurt. You're playing like crap. We're losing. It doesn't matter. Like, we're putting the other guy in. No big deal. Don't worry about it. You know what I mean? Like, with a, with a kid, with a rookie like that, I just feel like, but you're rolling with them, you're rolling with them. But I mean, who knows? You know, it's 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 really a question of, and we'll see. I mean, I think I think what's going to matter is we'll see how they come out this weekend. If they come out and they blow out the Jets and Tua plays great, then you look at it like, hey, maybe he did make the right decision. You know, like I don't know. So that's we we don't know how to handle that. Of course, it's it's going to be them that kind of decides and shows us whether that was the right move or not. I just felt like. He's a young kid, like, just leave him in and see what happens, you know. But, again, we'll see what happens, you know. Yeah, exactly. And um, one thing, I was just trying to collect my thoughts here and think about it. Um, yeah, like, I look at it in a multitude of ways of, like, look, I, like, I understand the tough love, but you're right in the sense, too, of, like, comebacks. Because that's actually, like, when I was talking earlier today about my conversation with Russell yesterday, he pointed out how the comeback's more relevant than ever. Like, how, if you look at certain teams, even, like, Sunday with... Uh, the Colts and the Packers, like at twenty, I thought yep. I, I thought it was like twenty eight fourteen. All this game's over, and then the Colts just stepped on the gas in the second half and won the game. Same thing with Tennessee and Baltimore, which well, that's a Baltimore's another interesting story. Oh um, yeah, but I just want to switch gears quickly, and because um, I want to talk about someone that you and I have a not personal, but like personal on not on personal on a personal level, but personal on an emotional level, and that's Tom Brady last night against the uh, L.A. Rams, which was the complete opposite of what he did to them against uh, them in the Super Bowl last year. Yeah, man, he uh, it was bad. It was bad. That second half was bad. Some of those interceptions were rough. And I think I think the stat is, like, the last few games, he's, like, 0 for 17 throwing the ball deep. And it's just it, – it gets to a certain point where it's just, like, what are we doing? Like, why – you know, they had the ball with, like, two and a half minutes left with, you know, a few timeouts, and they're throwing deep. Like, what the hell are they doing? It just didn't – it didn't make any sense. It didn't sit right with me. I'm looking at it saying, you got plenty of time. Like, why are you throwing deep in that situation? I think, was the interception, I think, was the first play after the two-minute warning, right? Is that, I'm pretty sure that's that's yeah. that's when it happened. And you're just looking at it like, what the hell, what the hell are you looking at? First of all, why did you think that guy was going to be open? You know, Cameron Bray 
okay, fine, maybe he can beat the he can beat the the linebacker, but he's got the safety sitting right over the top of him. Like that guy didn't move; he was standing there the whole time. And so it was just like, where the hell are you going with that? And the one, the other one in the middle of the field. I mean, my goodness! I mean that that's that's a rookie mistake. Guy runs a post there, and you get the the safety sitting in the middle. And yeah, okay, maybe he's not standing right there, but you know he's coming. Like Brady doesn't make those types of mistakes, so I don't know what's going on. It's really bizarre. And then, of course, you know, Arians comes out and says, "Oh, I think Brady's confused out there and doesn't know what he's seeing." And blah. And it's like, dude, what are you doing? Like, and I, I know that's like his style, but I just that drives me nuts hearing that from him. And I honestly think, in my personal opinion, I just think that they're gonna be. They're going to be out quick in the playoffs. And, yeah, some of it might have to do with Tom Brady, but the majority of it's going to be the coaching. I mean, the the offsides penalties, they're, they're – you know, and they had, they had kind of reined it in a little bit. They had brought their penalties down a little bit. They had kind of controlled it. And then they were back to their old ways. And then you're just like, if you can't be disciplined and you make stupid mistakes, you lose those important games. You just do. That's what happens. And so you can't expect your team then to win in a high leverage situation when you're not, you know, when you're not disciplined and you're making dumb mistakes and you're throwing stupid passes and the play calling is setting them up to make stupid plays. Okay, well, let's, let's try to hit this seam down the middle. And fine, let's throw the seam down the middle. I got no problem with that. But don't throw it when you get a safety for the tie. Just, it, it was just, it was foolish. And especially when all they needed was a filler to tie the game. Like, you don't need a touchdown. You just needed a field goal. And so, like, that's the part for me where it's like, yeah, okay, fine. But you didn't, you weren't in the situation where you would, you had to chuck it. You know, like, you could have checked down a few times. Okay, you go for it on fourth down, you try to pick it up, whatever. You know, but you don't need 35 yards on the first play. You need five yards of play. That's all you need. So, that was frustrating. And, and honestly, you know, it makes you question that team moving forward. I know that this has happened to them a few times. And, you know, so we'll see. They're inconsistent is the biggest thing. Now, can they pull it together? Do they have the talent to? They certainly do. The defense has been playing great. We know what Brady can do. They have a ton of weapons offensively. But, you know, can they pull it together when they really need to? I don't know. You know, I don't know. I don't trust the coach. I trust the quarterback. I don't trust the coach. And so, to me, I feel like if they play a good team in the playoffs, they're going to get smoked. That's that's my opinion. I might be wrong about that. Brady might prove me wrong. Arians might prove me wrong. I don't know. But I look at that team and I just think, yeah, that team, that team to me isn't even an NFC Championship team. That team is a maybe they get out of the wild card. Maybe. Maybe. I think they're a one-and-done team. But we'll see what happens. They're going to end up playing like the Giants or whoever wins the NFC. Because I, I just say the Giants because I have the Giants winning the NFC East. And they're going to lose, and that Brady Giant narrative is just going to follow him even more. I'm just like, just have a feeling about that. But oh, that'd be horrifying. <laughs> that would be horrifying. Even to like Boston fans would even find that horrifying. Yeah, like us. But the one thing I noticed too, like when you were saying that about how hey, you're trying to get in the field goal range, reminded me a lot of what Joe Flacco did when J.C. Jackson picked him off a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And yes, obviously I'm going to re- reference the Patriots because look, you got two, one person who's missed. Zero games for the Patriots long before I was born until this year. And you've got me, who's been a Pats fan since I was seven. Right. But, like, when I saw, like, that's what that just, like, when you brought that up, I just came into my mind. The other thing, too, that I want to give Arians criticism for was, apparently he came out and said after the game, oh, uh, but our deep balls worked in practice. 
That may be one of the I retweeted Pro Football Talk saying this. I mean, one of the most dumbest statements I've heard from a coach. It's like because you're you're a teacher, Pat, and it's like your student saying, "Oh, hey, I studied the material for the test. I know I got a D, but I studied the material." But it's like, um, well, clearly you didn't. Right. Well, I, and not not only that, but I mean, oh, you did. Oh, you, well, you did it in practice. Oh, well, if you did it in practice, then I mean, it's the it's the same thing as doing it in the game. Like it just the hell are you talking about you're playing against your own team and number one you're playing against your own team in practice that's number one number two it's practice how many of those guys going 100 percent? they're not you know and they might say they're going close to 100 percent, but they're really they're not going all out like they would be in a game so you can't compare what you do in practice to what you do in the game you just can't do that and so yeah okay great he's hitting in practice who cares that doesn't matter it's completely irrelevant it's just it's so dumb and you're right like Oh, I studied for the test. Well, did you? And they're like, okay, yeah, great. You studied for the test, but did you, were you really prepared? Because obviously you weren't. Didn't look like you were. You know, and so clearly they weren't super prepared for that situation. And now, supposedly Byron Leftwich has been calling all the plays, and Arians has stayed out of it. So now the question is, does Arians bring himself in? Does he kind of take some of the reins away from Leftwich? And is it is does part of the blame go on Leftwich? Now, Arians had said that Brady was calling some of his own plays. I don't know if I believe that or not. Maybe maybe that's true. Maybe he's not. I don't know. But, like, to me, it doesn't look like a Tom Brady offense. That doesn't look like a Tom Brady offense. He ran his offense in New England. The offense that he ran in New England looks different than the offense they're running right now in Tampa Bay. So, like, I don't know how you can sit there and say, well, Tom Brady's calling the plays. I, no, he isn't. That, 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 to me, that's not – they're not using what he does best – which is those quick passes, and then the quick passes set up the deeper passes because then, guys, as you saw in the Demir, Demir Bird touchdown this week, right? You throw those quick passes over the middle, you throw those passes over the middle, throw them over the middle, throw them over the middle, throw them over the middle, boom, the safety dives down, and the safety dives down, you take the shot over the top. That's what happens. And that's what Brady's done for years, is you say, okay, fine, you're going to give me the middle field, I'll take it. And then as soon as you take away the middle of the field, now other guys are going to be open, and I'll exploit that. So... To me, it just doesn't, you know, to say that he's the one calling the plays, it doesn't make any sense to me. And so we'll see what happens, but I just, I don't trust that team. I don't trust that team. And I got to tell you, I'm not super upset about it. Not, neither am I. And also, to everything you said, I literally heard Mike Florio say about 10 hours ago when I was at work, because every day when I'm at work, I usually. I have my podcasts I listen to. We talked about it off off uh, air last time. Like part of my take, uh, pro football talk, and also too uh, just to throw it out there, the dime package and bar. So I believe I told you about that before. But those two ladies really oh, impressed yeah, me. Um, but with pro football talk, like he said that where in New England, Belichick would just do these small package plays where Brady's going to go out there and dissect the offense. One example that comes to my mind was the Chargers playoff game two years ago, where I believe they were running man coverage the entire game. Belichick caught on to that. And the rest is history. We just exploited that defense hard. Yeah, like I feel like with Tampa, they're trying every time just to do these big explosive plays with like Evans and Godwin and Gronk. And man, ever since Brown came back, ever since they got Antonio Brown, like the more I see how he's a cancer. I hate that guy. I mean, it's they're one and two since they picked him up. And that's the, just that's just a fact. I'm not yeah. I'm not saying anything. That's just a fact. Yeah, it's um, we're just Kermit the Frog drinking our tea over here. Um, <laughs> that was just one thing I wanted to point out. Where it's just like, look, and then you have I, I, oh, this Sunday, if they get their doors blown off, 
I have yeah. no Who faith. Who do they have this Sunday? Kansas City. Oh, that's right, dude. You know that. You know Brady's going to be on his A game, though. He, oh. You know he's going to bring his A game against the Chiefs because he brings it for those games. And he, he very rarely plays two bad games in a row. But you're right, dude. They lose that game, which they which they absolutely can lose that game. Now, all of a sudden, they're way on the outside looking in, especially in that division, man. Oh, my goodness. It's gonna get it's gonna get really interesting, and you know what? I feel like that offense to me, that offense is like is like a Madden offense to me. Like, okay, I I I build my Madden offense. I got a bunch of good receivers, and I just want to chuck it. I, I'm not I'm not throwing short passes. I'm gonna chuck it and see what happens, you know. And then I get picked off a million times because I'm just like an idiot throwing downfield when I shouldn't be, you know. And that's what it's, that's what the Bucks offense feels like to me right now. It's like you know a bunch of kids in the backyard throwing the ball around, and it's like. You gotta, you gotta have a little bit more. I mean, what's the game that they ran five times? <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? You know, you just, you know, and of course they've mixed it up a little bit since then, but they never run play action. They never do. It's just like, it doesn't make any sense. They don't send guys in motion. I mean, like, it just, I, I don't get it. I just don't get it. Like, it's, it's some of those stuff for me that's like, we're just gonna line up and we're gonna run our play and we're better than you. And it's like, yeah, but that's why. Like, maybe you are, but why do you gotta do that? Like, it just doesn't. I don't know. I just I don't I don't like the coaching down there, and I think that that's going to be the issue. And and I've been saying it, I've been saying it since the day he got down there that I think the coaching is going to be the issue. And look, you see it, right? You see it up here, because Belichick is a great coach. He's not as good without Tom Brady. He just isn't because Tom Brady's really good, and Tom Brady is a really good quarterback. But he's not as good without Belichick because Belichick's a really good head coach. So it's like, yes, we can say they're both the greatest of all time. We can also acknowledge. They're both not as good without the one, without the other. You know, like it's there's no there's nothing wrong with that. No, no, I get I get I get exactly where you're coming from. Where it's like, oh, like together you're so good. And then it's like, hey, maybe you take a break. Um, the only thing I just want to say about the whole Brady Belichick thing is I hate the people who go like, oh, uh, where Belichick basically forced Brady out of town. Where in reality Belichick just noticed like, hey, he's just getting older and he didn't want to commit twenty five million dollars a year to him. Right. That's a narrative right. I think that a lot of the media doesn't really pay attention to outside of Oh, uh, that's you know Patriot I mean, Nation. People people just say they just say the most ridiculous I mean look, the fact is the real simple fact is that Brady wanted multiple years. Brady Brady didn't care about the money. The Patriots were willing to give him money, right? Money is whatever. But Belichick wanted to go year to year with Tom. Tom didn't want that. Drew Brees got two years, $50 million last year. Last offseason, Brees got two years, $50 million. That's the contract that Brady wanted. Brady said, hey, look, give me those two years and I'll take it. And Bill was like, eh, I don't want to give you one. And so that Tom was like, all right, fine. Uh, here's what I'll do. Give me one. Give me a bump. And then, you know, we'll do an extension, quote unquote. But it really is dead money, right? It's really a fake extension. It'll expire after this year. You'll be hit with a cap hit, and then we'll negotiate in the offseason. And then so that's what happened, and Belichick said, yeah, okay, I'll take you back for a year. And then Tom was like, well, I, I want multiple years. And he said, no. And so Tom left. Like, that's that's what it comes down to. And I had been saying since the beginning, it's Belichick's decision. It's not Brady's decision. It's Belichick's decision. He didn't want to pay him multiple years, and so he didn't. And, you know, and you can be pissed about that, and you can not. And, and I have no problem if people have an issue with that. I have no problem if people have an issue with that. But the fact is, is that that's what Belichick decided. He's, in my opinion, the greatest head coach in the, in the history of the NFL. He's a phenomenal GM, in my opinion. People will argue about that, about how he stinks as a GM and he can't draft guys and he can't do this. Although, he's, I mean, he's got some good young players on the team, but 
nevertheless, you know, he can't draft and, you know, he doesn't do any good signings and his trades stink and everything else, like, fine. But he seems to have made the right decision a lot of times. A lot of times he's seen to make, he seemed to make the right decision. So people can argue and people can question it. But to me, yeah, he's the one that decided that, that Tom was supposed to leave. And you're right about that. Like, people can get upset. But, like, it is what it is, you know? And, and, and there's no sense crying about it and yelling about it and everything else. I know people want someone to blame. But, like, it is what it is. Like, it's just he made that decision and he didn't want to tie them down long term with Brady, especially knowing what the cap situation was going to be this year and, you know, potentially next year if they had signed him to a long-term extension. No, exactly. Um, I'll, only thing I'm going to add on to that was uh, worst St. Patrick's Day ever. Um, <laughs> because I remember, wake, I remember waking up and just, like, my, I just got a text from my girlfriend right away, and then it's, like, the first thing I see on Instagram, and I was just, uh-huh. like... Well, I'm watching, like, ESPN and, like, through, through through TSN, which is a Canadian network and the NFL network, and I'm watching all this coverage. I'm seeing Mike Giardi, like, every half an hour, and I'm like, why am I watching this? And at the yeah. same time, too, I'm like, I think I need the I think I just need the clarity. Um, well, anyway, let's move on to some, hap, like, let's make this, let's take a happy turn. Happy turn in the right all direction. Right, do it. Um, so, Thursday, we've got three games, Thanksgiving. The first two I like to say is, you got to get through the burnt turkey to get to your piece of mind. <laughs> Because these games could be good, for all we know. Like, it's like what the Jet Bronco game was, where it was actually pretty a decent game when Chiefs-Ravens was kind of boring. Yes, right. I am defending that take. Um, Detroit-Houston... It was a good game. Yeah, yeah, it was. But with Detroit-Houston, though, I honestly think... Because, like, I don't know how... the I understand the Lions have been decimated by injuries, but... I don't know how you get shut out by a quarterback who was in the XFL. Like, no disrespect to P.J. Walker, but, like, if you're the Lions, I think if you lose this game bad, Black Friday may have another meaning in Detroit. Carolina stinks out loud. They stink out loud. Their defense is terrible. Their offense isn't much better, especially without, you know, without their starting quarterback or their starting running back. Franchise. And, And they just absolutely murdered the Lions, and shut them out, for God's sakes. I mean, that, I, I just, I, I can't even fathom how bad that is. Now, are they gonna, maybe they come out and they win on Thanksgiving, because who the hell knows? It's 2020, so anything can happen, right? They're playing against a, a, a Texans team that is like, holy crap, we just beat the Patriots. Like, we're feeling good about ourselves. We're going to go in not paying attention to the to the Lions. Who knows? But, I mean, if if I'm like taking if I'm taking like money here, I it should be an absolute curb stomping by the Texans. They should absolutely destroy the Detroit Lions. Um, now who knows what's going to happen there? I know Swift was hurt. Looks like he's going to be back, but like I don't know. I mean, is one running back enough to like really matter that much? I I, I don't really see it. Maybe Galladay might be back too. So I guess maybe they have some pieces back, but like. I, I, I don't know, man. It, this should be an absolute blowout by the Texans. I, I agree with that, but that this reminds me of last year when the pa- uh, the Texans beat the Patriots on Sunday Night Football, and then they laid an absolute egg against the Denver Broncos the following yep. week at home. Um, I obviously know it's different seasons, but the Denver Broncos were terrible last year. Um, even though I know Drew Locke came in and was 4-1 and one down the stretch, but like still, the Denver Broncos, that can get on the Denver Broncos on another subject. Yeah. But... I could see that happening, or even to like how um, another example. Pa- yeah, so there should be a lot of Patriots examples. So if you're getting tired of them, uh, I don't care. Um, 
Miracle Miami happens with the Dolphins. Go up to da- go up to Minneapolis. Have to win. Keep your playoff hopes alive and just get blown out by Dalvin yep. Cook. Um, I could see that happening, but if I'm going to be a smart person, I think Houston's going to win. Houston should blow them out, but it wouldn't shock me if this is like a low-scoring, close game. Just because the Texans' defense is so, like, one week they're good, one week they're eh. But even, too, in a lot of their games, it's been close scoring. Right. Um, but I do think, though, if they do curb stomp the, the Lions, I don't see how Patricia's not, like, going into Friday morning being like, uh, like I said earlier, Black Friday may have a different meaning for him. I don't know how he still has the job, to be honest with you. I, I don't. I mean, I guess they could justify it with the with the uh, with the injuries and stuff. But I mean, he just him and Adam Gase, like those two guys, still have a job. I mean, how is that even possible? I just don't. I I don't know. I, maybe a Gase, I think they they're keeping him just to like go and sixteen and get the number one pick. That's the only explanation I have there because that makes no sense. Get, get, and you know, and the Matty P one is like they play. They're terrible. And they've been terrible. And not only have they been terrible, but he's making excuses to the, you know, sounding like a whiny child to the media every freaking week. And it's like at a certain point, don't you just have to be like, yeah, we're not putting up with that crap anymore, you know? Exactly. And I'm also going to say this too. If he were to be like, oh, I, and I could see like Bill maybe entertaining the possibility of bringing him back, but I don't know if I'd want him back. Like, I understand he's a great defensive coordinator, but like, do you entertain that and run a ship with him and Belichick and Mail? Yes, I obviously am referring to Steve, not Bill. But yeah. on the Jets, uh. on the Jets note, I just want to say I had a buddy of mine on from Staten Island last week, and he said Adam Gates give Adam Gates gives us the best chance to lose, so he does not want to get rid of Adam Gates. Which That's I true. Kind of laughed at. I mean, I've said I've said multiple times. Contract for life, lifetime contract by the Jets. Yeah. Just give him the lifetime contract right now. Like that's it. Yeah. Sign him up. You know. <laughs> If they sign him to an extension, I'm just going to laugh out loud. Like, I'm not even going to do anything. I'll be like, okay, have fun. Um, oh, man. What, what's the second game? Uh, the Washington football team at the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, God. <laughs> I keep reminding myself, I booked off work to stay home and watch football because I had vacation days left over for this year. Oh, I mean... What a, what a, oh God, that's just I can't I can't even muscle the words. That's just awful. That's just going to be an awful football game. I think Washington should win only because I like uh, I like Terry. I like Terry McLaurin, and I, there's no other reason. There's no other reason that Washington should win that game. But yeah, sure, why not? I'll give Washington the win. Dallas always kind of seems to play a little bit better on on uh, on Turkey Day, but like I don't know. I just. Dallas just stinks. I mean, they have Dalton back, I guess. They won this week, right? Like, they have, I mean, they're fine. But it's just like, they're Dallas. They stink. They're not good. So, like, I don't know. And Washington is terrible, too. Don't get me wrong. But, like, I love the Alex Smith story. I feel like he's playing good. I feel like they're rallying around him. I think that, you know, that they get that win this week. It'd be pretty sweet to see them win this week, I think. Exactly. I, I'm, I'm going with Washington, too, just based off the fact that the Cowboys cost me my survival pool last week. So I thought the Vikings would win, but no, they decided to uh, piss me off. So, well, for- dude, I I almost I was I was between the Vikings and and the uh, who played the Jets, the Chargers, the Chargers. So I was between the Vikings and the Chargers, and I was like back and forth, back and forth. And I was like, you know what? The Vikings are better than the Chargers. That's what I said to myself. The Vikings are better than the Chargers, so I'm not going to pick the Vikings this week because I might actually take them again. That was my thought process. Was, so that's why I didn't pick the Vikings this week because I thought they were better than the freaking Chargers. So 
luckily, I continued to bet against the Jets. And we're down to like we started at like 185. We're down to like 16 because like seven or eight people picked the uh, picked the Vikings this week. So I was like, thank God I picked the damn Chargers, and then we'll see. Now, now it comes a situation you know, like knock up, will you run out of run out of teams? This is the first yeah. time I've made it before, so. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. It's like it's week twelve, and I'm like, uh, I don't know. I picked everyone. Like, who the hell am I going to pick this week? So I have to see who the Jets are playing, <laughs> and they go from there. Um, the Jets are actually playing the Dolphins again this week. Oh, so yes. I already picked the damn Dolphins. Um, I do have a game that you could pick actually. That is what was originally going to be the uh, game of the day, but because of COVID, uh, I expect uh, this to be a butt whooping in the Steelers visiting the Ravens. Hey guys, Griff here. Um, just a quick disclaimer, Pat and I did record this podcast last night on uh, Tuesday, November 24th, and before uh, the 25th of November when the news was broke about the game getting moved. So just a quick heads up on that, so we talked about this game as if it was still going to be happening tomorrow night, but as you all know by now, the game has now been moved to Sunday at 1.15pm instead of tomorrow night at 8.20, I believe, or 8.15. Um, so yeah, just a quick disclaimer I wanted to throw in there, guys, but anyway, now... Back to Pat Lane and I talking Raven Steelers and the rest of the Sunday slate, plus some New England Patriots talk here on episode 43 of YWC Football Talk. Unless, like this, right. I, I did not think this going in, like even a month ago, that hey, the Ravens have won one game in November and they looked not the best in that game too against the Colts, but we've got Steelers versus Ravens. Steelers look unstoppable right now, or even though they've had some suspect games, but they are 10-0, they're rolling. The last two weeks, I thought, you know what, I'm like, okay, Cincinnati may beat them, because why not, Ben hasn't practiced, blow them out. And then I bet, Jackson, on my spread ticket that I do every week, where I pick all the teams, just bet a couple bucks, and if I win, I can win a lot of money. I'm like, Jags are going to cover, they're going to win by 10, it was 10.5, like 27-3, so I'm like, what do I know? Yeah. But... Part of me first was saying, you know what, this is going to be a get-right game for Lamar, but the more COVID news that's coming out... I just don't see it. Like they're gonna go six and five, and then, like, they may run the table to end the season because they have a very easy finish. But man, I did not think Baltimore would be in this spot. But to be honest, I'm, I kind of like it. Yeah, oh yeah, I got no, I got no problem with Baltimore sucking. Uh, Jim Harbaugh can, uh, John Harbaugh, I'm sorry, can never win again for the rest of my life, and I'd be just fine with that. Um, so, you know, I, look, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I think that. The Ravens right now are in just an absolute tailspin. They're just, you know, it's one of those situations right now where, like, things are just getting away from them. And now they have the Steelers, tough game, 10-0. Obviously, I think the Steelers are, I'd still say that the Chiefs are better than the Steelers, um, even though they have the one loss. But, I, you know, and, and they've, look, they've had some suspect games too, right? They lost to the, to the, to the Raiders. They almost lost the end of the Raiders. So it's like they've had some tough games. But then again, the Steelers... Right, they almost lost to the Bengals. So, like, you know, those are the things where you look at it and say, okay, yeah, like you, we should have those; those games should be easy layups. But at the same time, we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, especially a divisional matchup like that gets physical. Those guys get into it. Like, you know, you never know. So, uh, but you're right; the St- it, it should be a blow by the Steelers away the Ravens and the Steelers are both playing right now. But you never know with those with those divisional games. You know. Exactly, exactly. You never know. Like I'm, t- I'm gonna pick this. I'm gonna take the uh, Steelers to win. But like I said before, how I said, oh, it's gonna be a butt whooping. It wouldn't shock me. If this is a close game, just because I've said this time and time again. You never know with divisional football. That's it, man. Yeah. And on to Sunday now, where we have got the Raiders visiting the Falcons, in which I honestly expect this game. If the Ra- the spread is at three right now, 
Three? I expect the Raiders. I expect the Raiders to win by a little bit more than three points. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, of course. Now they're just coming off. They're coming off the game against the Chiefs, which of course has got to be a little deflating, right? You lose that game at the end of the game. You know, Mahomes, blah blah blah, whatever. But the Falcons are terrible. I mean, they're just downright dreadful. And you know, they have nothing. They have no defense. You know, and so they really should carve that team up. The offense. You know, Derek Carr is playing. As well as he's ever played. This is like Derek Carr's ceiling, and he looks really good. Um, and Nelson Aguilar is like catching passes. Like, what the hell is that all about? Like, I don't know what the hell's going on down there uh, in Vegas. And so I think this this is the game that should be an absolute butt whooping. Uh, this should not be close for one second of this game. It should not be close. Uh, this looks like it should be an absolute blowout uh, with the Raiders running away with it. Exactly. I don't have nothing else to say about that game. Up next is two teams you and I probably could care less about in the Chargers visiting the Bills. Um, Austin Eckler may come off IR, but I'm gonna I'm gonna flat out say it. I I just expect Buffalo to win this game coming off their bye week. Oh, I don't see. I don't look. The Chargers, good story. Love Justin Herbert. Like you know, they got some good pieces and stuff, but they just they're not ready to win. They're not ready to win. They're the same old Chargers. They keep things close. They keep it close, and then they can't win at the end of the game. It's, this, it's been the same thing for 25 years, um, and the same thing's going to happen this week. You know, the Bills are a good team. The Bills are a good team. They're legit. They had a whole week off. Um, I feel like they're going to ha- be well-rested and come in and uh, and handle the Chargers. I don't know if they're going to blow them out, but I think they're going to handle the Chargers. Exactly, but you know what? The Chargers, the Chargers could lose in the next two games, and I would be satisfied with both. Obviously, yep. not so much with Buffalo, but more or less for next week. Yeah. Um, and then after that, we've got another game. I'm just going to quickly ring off Giants at Bengals, which is kind of like who cares. But um, ever since, and I forgot to mention this yesterday, but uh, just thoughts and prayers to Joe Burrow, man. We hope we see you back on the field sooner than later. With horrible injury, ACL, MCL, and partial ligament damage. Yeah. But I honestly expect the Giants to win this game. Now that, Bur- that there's no Burrow, I they're all they're rounding into form and they're coming off their bye week. Yeah, Giants are playing well. Giants are playing well, and so they they could certainly you know the Eagles obviously are winning the division right now because of the tie, um, but you know I I wouldn't be surprised at all to see the Giants win this division without Saquon, which is kind of crazy. Um, you look at what the Giants have been able to do; it's been it's been pretty impressive, and so you know we'll see. Now I mean I say impressive; they have three wins, like it's not you know, but like the last few weeks they've they've been playing pretty well. So um, you know I think I think I wouldn't be surprised to see that team win the division, um, like you said. And I mean, where's the where's like the the Fox D team, the Fox like F team needs to take this one. Like you you can't even they're gonna bring friggin' Dan Fouts out of retirement for this game. Like nobody cares about this game. No, even the people in Cincinnati aren't watching this game. Like oh. no one is watching this game. Oh, I gotta I gotta look it up quickly. I'm actually very curious. I want to see who's actually calling this game, just because you piqued my imagination. Because and also to be honest, I thought for us this coming Sunday, which we'll talk about in a bit, we were gonna get like the Fox F team. I was actually shocked at who our broadcast team is for this coming Sunday, which is, um, let's see, Kevin Kugler, Chris Spielman, and Laura Oakman. Yikes. Yes. Yikes. Chris Spielman is on the play-by, is on the the color? Yikes, dude. Yeah. (laughs) I don't think I've ever heard him call a game before. Neither have I. uh, Bringing up the G League squad today. Exactly. Um, But the next game is what I think will be one of the best games of the day, and the Titans-Colts rematch from a couple Thursdays ago. Yep. I picked the Colts at the beginning of the year to win the division and to be a dark... I had them winning, like, just being a dark horse. And, like, I kind of played a game with a couple buddies back in March where I was, like, on here. I said, hey, 
pick. I'm like, pick a couple teams who you think will make the playoffs who didn't. Colts are at the top of my list as soon as they sign Phillip Rivers. And I said this before where you'll love him when he's doing good and he'll just piss you off at certain moments. But they're maybe, they may be one of the most quiet 7-3 and three teams in the NFL. Like, ever. Absolutely. Yeah, no one's talking about them. Uh, I don't trust Phillip Rivers at all. I don't trust him at all. I think he's washed. Um, still a smart guy, but I think he's washed uh, as far as throwing the football is concerned. The thing is, is that that defense, man, has been playing absolute lights out. And when you have a defense that's playing as well as the Colts are playing, you don't have to do a ton on offense. You have to not lose the game on offense and then make a few plays. Look what happened to the Patriots in the uh, in the 2015, 15, 2015 uh, and AFC Championship game. Right, Manning throws two early touchdown passes to Owen Daniels and does absolutely nothing the rest of the game. But he didn't have to because all he did was not turn the ball over, not lose the game, and let his defense control the game. And if your defense is playing well enough that you can do that, you don't need Phillip Rivers to be great. You just need him not to suck and to make a few plays. And he can do that. And so the way their defense is playing, they have a chance to play with anybody. I like Tennessee a lot. I trust them. I think they're a good team. But I wouldn't necessarily be surprised to see them lose to Indy this week. Same. And the other thing I want to point out, too, with that game, and I hate to point it out, but that's also the game. I don't think of the Owen Daniels touchdowns. I think of Derek Wolf and Von Miller having their day with Tom Brady, which oh, yeah. uh, from that moment on and the whole like dog pee celebration, like I've just had a – there's a – that special place in the back of my a very interesting. This is a special place in hell, in my opinion, for uh, Derek Wolf in my football oh, mind. God, um, those two guys, man, yeah. killed it. And you know what's funny is that that year is the year that they lost to the Dolphins and Jets back to back games on the road to end the season because the uh, the Bruins had the had the uh, the Winter Classic yeah. against the Canadians. It got their cut. Happening. Talk about a murder. I mean, that was an absolute murder happened on the ice at Gillette. But they had they played their last two games on the road, and they lost to Miami in the infamous Stephen Jackson six seventy two runs seventy two carry game, where they lost to the Dolphins and then lost to the Jets. I believe that was the year they took the uh, they took the they went to overtime and, and deferred the coin toss in overtime. Uh, and so you just you know you look around and you just say if you win one of those games, you're playing at home instead of in Denver, and if you're playing at home instead of in Denver, you win that game. And that's, you know, and so you, you second guess things and you can go back and forth and whatever, but like it's, uh, it that's one of those ones that got away from them. And I know that 15 and one, you know, uh, Panthers were that year. Cam obviously made the Super Bowl, but they were paper tigers. The, the Panthers were paper tigers. Anyways, I, I'm getting way down a whole diatribe here, but like, but that's one of those, that's one of the ones where you look back and you're like, oh man, shit, they really had a chance to win the Super Bowl that year. And, and they lost it. Manning's on that time twice. I mean, his two Super Bowl wins, right? 06. I mean, that was a jo- 06 freaking Bears. That might be the worst team to make a Super Bowl in the last 25 years. I mean, they were horrible, that team. Horrible. Yep. And, you know, and the Patriots hold on and beat the Colts, and they win another chip Super Bowl easily. Not just not to win another Super Bowl, they win it easily. And that's frustrating, to say the least, you know. So if they had if they had beat the Giants the next year, you'd say, ah, no big deal. But, of course, they friggin' lose after their perfect season and whatever. Yeah, it's just, now I'm depressing myself. we got to get back to... Happy thoughts, happy thoughts, Pat. Happy thoughts. I'm yeah, sending you thoughts happy. It. The only thing I'll say, too, is Super Bowl 50 probably... I know people like to say 53 was about Super Bowl. No, Super Bowl 50 was boring. <sighs> um, 
Another quick game, because I don't really care, Browns and Jags. Um, if the Browns want to prove themselves to be good, you're going to go in there and whoop Jacksonville. But this is a game I can honestly see Jacksonville making close because I do not trust Baker Mayfield. That's true. But Luton is so bad. He's just so yeah. bad that I, I don't see how the Browns could pull. I mean, even the Browns can't lose this game, I don't think. I might be wrong about that, but even the Browns really shouldn't lose this game. Exactly. Like I, like I said, if the Browns want to solidify themselves as a potential playoff contender, this is a game you win. Yeah, absolutely. Um, next up, Carolina, Minnesota, especially with Bridgewater status maybe playing and uh, with, uh, what was I going to say, Christian McCaffrey probably out for this game considering they have their bye week the following week. I'm pretty sure he won't play again until December 13th. And all I care about is that he plays week 15 and 16 for fantasy. <laughs> Fantasy playoffs, baby. That's all I That's care right. about. Um, this is a game, honestly, after that bad Vikings loss, even though Thielen may or may not play because it was weird. He was on the COVID list, and apparently he tested positive, but then he tested negative. So we don't know if he's playing. That's um, a mess, yeah. Start Justin Jefferson. That's the only thing I have to say about this game. I do, man. But, yeah, I think him and – I think we're going to get – because Dalvin's been kind of quiet the last couple of games. I think this is a game where we see Dalvin kind of emerge because – Look, if Ronald Jones can go for 98 yards, it would not shock me if Dalvin Cook has a similar type running against his defense. Yeah, nah, they're not good. And that's the hard thing is that, you know, Minnesota obviously has a bad loss last week to to the to the Cowboys and see so say, oh, they're not going to win or whatever. They can't, but like, they should win this game. I mean, Carolina's not that good. I know Carolina just shut out the, the Lions, right? But like, they're not that good, right? And even if they're getting Teddy Bridgewater back, like, this should be a win for the Vikings, uh, especially because it's in Minnesota, right? It's, I mean, not that it really matters because there's really no one at these games anyways, but, like, even still, you know, it should be a win for the Vikings, especially after a bad loss to to, to Dallas. So you kind of come off that loss. Like, we have to rebound. And from, you know, from a, from a Panthers perspective, of course, you get the win and everything else. And it feels good, blah, 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 but whatever. I don't know. I, I just look at it and say Minnesota should absolutely win. Uh, but... I don't know, Carolina. We'll see. Maybe they make some noise at the end of the year. Uh, seems like throwing to DJ Moore, they freaking would have done earlier in the year, would have been nice. Uh, but it seems like throwing DJ Moore isn't a bad idea. No, not at all. And the other thing I want to say, too, about this is I always felt like after their 1-5 start that the Vikings are kind of treating this as like a redshirt year considering Cousins isn't going anywhere because no one's going to take that contract. Yeah. Zimmer's extended, and so is Rick Spielman. Uh yeah, and uh, now it's time for us to get maybe a little bit depressed because it's time to talk about our game this coming Sunday, where uh, no, probably one of the one of my favorite NFL quarterbacks to watch, no, not Cam Newton, Kyler Murray comes to Foxborough to play the New England Patriots. And when I think of Arizona in New England, I think of 2012 in the game we should have won, but instead we lost to fucking John Skelton. <laughs> Stephen Gostowski missed field goal. Yep, yep, I remember that game. Uh, oh, God. You know, I just – I don't want to say I can't see them winning this game because I could. It's possible. It is possible. Um, the problem is the Patriots defense has been – has they played well against against Baltimore in a monsoon. Um, but outside of that, they've played very poorly the last few games. Um, obviously, the Jets game, you know, they, they held it together at the end. But it's the freaking Jets, man. Like, you know, you give up 20 points in the first half, two – the Jets like you can't you can't let that happen and so to me that's I'm very concerned about this game Patriots wise um you know I I'd be surprised if they won then again 
this is a classic Belichick. And this is the thing, right? You talk about getting in. You talk about getting in the playoffs, right? And I had Levin Reed on my show a few weeks back, and Levin Reed was saying, "Levin, this is after the uh, after the Bills game, the two and five, and I'm like, season's over, they're done, blah blah blah, the whole thing, right?" And he's like, "Listen, get the five and six. You get the five and six, you get a chance." And I still think that's true. Now we'll see what happens if that happens, but you get the five and six, and there's a chance that you can at least get into the playoffs. And if you win this game against Arizona somehow, you're five and six. And yes, yes, it's absolutely true that three out of the last five games are going to be challenging games. That's absolutely true. But if you win two of those games, well, then you finish the season nine and seven, and, you know, who knows what happens from there. You know, and so that's, uh, I'm sorry, not nine and seven. You finish the season ten and six. Oh, yeah, nine and seven, right? Because you'd have one loss, right? Either way. You understand you understand where I'm going with this. Like the idea is that if you can win some of those games, now all of a sudden you give yourself an opportunity to get in the playoffs. I think you lose this game four and seven, it ain't happening. It's not happening uh, at four and seven. And so, you know, this is really going to be what's going to decide their season. The tough part for me is that last week, last week was the time. Last week was the time. It was if you really wanted to make a playoff push and you thought you were legitimately a good team and able to make the playoffs, you had to beat the Texans. I understand the Texans have a good offense. I get it. I, I get it. I understand. Belichick was talking about it all week. They're a good team, blah, blah, blah. Fine. If you thought you should be in the playoffs, you have to win that game. You have to because these are challenging games. You know, and they're all they're all big games at this point. But to me, it comes back to and, – and so the – and we can talk about the Texans game. There was one thing I want to talk about the Texans game in a second, but like you get four games now, four games where the Patriots have had the ball in the fourth quarter, driving to either tie the game or take the lead four times. And they have failed to score all four times. And if you win two of those games, you don't have to win all four. Even if you win half of those games, you're six and four right now instead of four and six. And you're looking a hell of a lot better. And so that's the difference between a good team and, uh, you know, a mediocre to bad team, which is where the Patriots are right now. You know, you win half of those games. Not even, not all of them, not three quarters, not all four. Just win half of them. Even if you only won one of them, you'd still be five and five. So you still have 500. So, you know, it's one of those things where it's like you have to be able to score at the end. You have to be able to punch it in. And for years, we were spoiled. That's what Brady did. For years, Brady did that. And, you know, we haven't been able to do it this year. And again, it can't all fall on Cam, but he's the quarterback. Like, things fall on him, right or not, things fall on him, good and bad, because he's the quarterback. And, you know, he's got to live with that. And so, you know, that that's frustrating. Those, you know, those four games are tough, and not winning last week is tough. But again, if you win this week, you still have a chance. I just want to win this week. But if, you, if they do, they have a chance. Oh, I wanted to, I want to take them to win this week so bad just because I'm like, you know what? Part of me thinks they're gonna win, part of me thinks they're gonna lose. Oh, like But I think a lot of it's gonna depend on too how healthy Kyler Murray is, or even too like he gets loose. I'm just gonna be like So I'm gonna be if for those of you who don't know, Pat and I are recording Tuesday night. The game's not for another five days just because of Thanksgiving. I just wanted to get everything out of the way, especially too considering Thanksgiving. 12.30 start, because I usually record Thursday nights um, during the Thursday night game. But the big thing with this game is, is if, man, if Kyler runs the way that Kyler can, we're, we're screwed. So either by Sunday, I'm going to be going 
We're still here. We're still here. We have hope. We have hope. Or I'm going to be tweeting yeah. on a, ta- a Kyle Trask gif every five minutes. I'm going to be uh, one I mean, or two That's minutes. it, right? That's it, man. You know what? You know what's, what's scary is that the way they played Deshaun uh, on Sunday night or Sunday afternoon, I guess, they play Kyle like that. They're going to get killed. Gonna get, you can't play. They played a soft zone against Watson because they were so worried about him running. And they were more concerned with his legs than they were with his arm. And they said, okay, he's going to have to beat us throwing the ball in the pocket, which is exactly what he did. And so, and now I don't know if Kyler is as good in the pocket as Watson is. So theoretically, you might be able to take advantage of some of his throws from inside the pocket if you can ham him in and keep him in the pocket. But I'm certainly not confident with them playing the defense they played against the Texans. Uh, you know, trying to trying to stop him from running the ball. So, uh, you know, I, I am supremely nervous about this game. I think it's very very possible they lose. Um, but again. There is an outside chance that they win, and if they won this game, man, it'd be great. But again, listen, we're Patriots fans, right? You say half, you know, part of you thinks they're going to win, part of you thinks they're going to lose. The part of you thinks they're going to win is the Patriots fan part of you. <laughs> like, yeah. Unfortunately, that's, I mean, that's just the truth. Like, Guilty. An outside, objective person looking at this game looks at it and says, Patriots have no chance. They can't beat this team, you know? And so, but we're Patriots fans. We're optimistic because we feel like we're the Patriots. Like, we have a chance to win every game. You know, and so, of course, I feel like we have a chance to win. I just feel like it's not a very good chance, you know? Reality's knocking on the door, and honestly, I do not want to answer it. That's, that's no. literally it. Oh, like, I'm so going I'm, I'm going in Sunday, you know what, zero expectations, anything can happen. That's, right. I, that's how i got to face this head on because, look, if I go in thinking, yeah, we're going to win, no problem. The only thing I have to say is Kyler's shoulder's a little banged up still from that game. Thursday night, but then again, he's had he's gonna have ten days between games, so it's not like he's playing on a short week or anything. Right. Um, so, man, this is just like I said, I want to be positive, but you know what? I'm going into it thinking anything can happen. And anyway, if we, the only thing I can have a love hate relationship with is the Bills fans tweeting out those like third place podium things of the guy celebrating with the champagne and the other two guys looking at him. And I'm like, we've been in that position far too many times. And now that we're in the position, I'm like, I don't like it. It's like a bad dream. Right. It's like, I want to wake up. I, I want to wake up. It sucks. Oh. It sucks. Yeah, no. I don't like being in the spot at all. Looking up at two guys in the division, no thank you. No. Matter of fact, what's crazy about it is that since 01, the Patriots have never, the Patriots have finished with the best record in the AFC East every single year since 2001, before this year. Because even the seasons they didn't make the playoffs, like 02 and 08, they finished with a tie for first place, and they lost because of a tiebreaker. And then they didn't make the playoffs because of tiebreakers and everything else. And so what that's what's crazy about it is that they have finished with the best record in the AFC East every single year since 01 before the season. So, I mean, like at a certain point, it's got to give, right? I mean, it's 20 straight years that they finished with the best record in the division. But, like, it's it was just unbelievable. And that statistic is just like mind-blowing obviously they lost the division two of those years but like like i said tiebreaker so no one has ever won more games in the patriots since 2001 in the afc east and of course this year is going to change i mean i theoretically right mathematically that's not necessarily a guarantee but that's going to happen we all know it's going to happen you know what i mean but uh but anyways no you know what i wanted to say about the about the texans game right go ahead and i i had mentioned this um the last game I had mentioned, you know, referenced the last drives there, but what really killed the Patriots is their second to last drive, 16 play drive. That was like eight and a half minutes long when they kicked the field goal. 
they settled for a field goal they were down four uh no i'm sorry they were down seven they settled for a field goal to make it to make it four and then the next drive they gave up a field goal um you know which which bumped it back out to seven and then the Patriots got the ball and then of course ended up turning over on downs but that drive 16 play drive that stalls in the red zone and you just you know you have to be able to punch those balls in the end zone you have to and you know you can't finish a long methodical drive like that in a seven point game with just a field goal and expect to win games you just you can't you know they they got the ball at the end of the third quarter in that drive, and then by the time the Ravens, uh, by the time the Texans had kicked the field goal to go back up seven, there was like they were more than halfway through the fourth quarter, and it just like, and that was it. That was the game, as far as I'm. And of course, like Patriots had a chance driving at the end of the game, but like, you know, that was huge, right? There. You score a touchdown right there instead of kicking a field goal. Now, even if you give up a field goal from the Texans, you're already back in field goal range at the end of the game. You kick a field goal, you tie it up. So. You know, that one right there is just like you can't have a drive like that that doesn't end in a touchdown. And that was an absolute killer for me uh, when you go back and kind of and, and look at it. And so, you know, and multitude of reasons, of course, you had the, you know, the Nikhil Harry thing where people think you should have thrown a block instead of running this route. Like, who knows? But the point is, is that, you know, for one reason or another, your drive stalled. And, and unfortunately, that's the way it goes. And uh, frustrating, of course, but. You know, it's uh, it just is what it is. It, Literally, you're right. It, it just it is what it is. And like that's like like we were talking about this earlier. Next game, last one o'clock game of Sunday, Dolphins at Jets. Um, I think it's just a matter of how much the Dolphins win by. Yeah. Um, the next one's intriguing too. We got the Saints visiting the Broncos just because the Saints don't. This is the first time in the altitude in eight years, so we'll see how it goes. But I do fully expect the Saints to come out and win this game because. If I had to pick a team from the NFC to go to the Super Bowl, I'm put. If I had to bet money, I'd bet the Saints. Taysom Hill for MVP, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I don't know what the hell they were doing, and and it seemed to have paid off. He looked okay throwing the ball. I guess he's not like the best thrower of the football, but got Michael Thomas involved again. Um, so I don't know. I guess he's doing something right, and he was running the ball, and so who the heck knows? I mean, who knows really with that team? But. Uh, you know, Taysom Hill looked good for one game at least. I know it was against an absolutely atrocious defense in the Falcons, but even still, they won the game. Exactly. Um, like the same thing, I think we think Saints both going to win this game, right? Yep. Um, Rams at Niners. I know the Niners last time beat the Rams and made the Rams look bad, but you know what? Like we said earlier, the Niners look like a great football team, and ever since Pat was on last uh, and the uh, Patriots got their asses kicked by the Niners. The Niners have been bitten by the injury bug even more. So I expect the Rams to get the revenge. And the Niners, like the Niners are going to do this. Everyone's hurt this year. They're going to get a good draft pick. They're going to draft some stud player. And they're going to be the best team in the NFC next year. So they did two years ago. That's what I'm saying. With the the number three pick and got Bosa. And then all of a sudden went to the Super Bowl. You know, so that's, uh, look, I mean, it's just, yeah, that's what happens. Jimmy G gets hurt and, you know, they end up with the number three pick and and then they're in the Super Bowl. You know, and so, so yeah, I expect, I, and the Rams right now, I mean, they look great. You know, they obviously, they beat the, they beat the, the Bucks on Monday night. So that's one of those teams that you're like, okay, all of a sudden the Rams are kind of rounding in shape right about now. And so that's really, that's going to be an interesting game. Um, but I think, I think you're right there. I think the Rams win this game and I think they win it fairly easily and don't look now, but the Seahawks haven't been playing great lately. The Rams could take that division if the Seahawks aren't careful now. Exactly. And um, the other thing I wanted to 
break tell you quickly about his Sunday because I remember last time we were talking about this trying to figure out who was broadcasting the game for uh, Patriots. Uh, that's actually kind of funny. I just realized last time you were on was right before the Patriots played an NFC West team, and look again who they're playing this week: an NFC West team at home. Yeah, that's it. Um, this week, yeah. though, it's I believe Kevin Burkhart and Daryl Johnston calling the game. Hopefully, so. better Oh, Daryl Johnston, he stinks. No, yeah. That's okay. I, I was expecting. Worse. I was expecting like the the Chris Spielman like that level of team calling. That's just because of how yeah. bad we've looked. But down the stretch, I think we're going to get some of those. Like the Chargers game next week, I expect like Ooh. I expect yeah. Andrew Cattle on again. Yeah, it ain't gonna be good. It ain't gonna be good. Yeah, they're gonna be dusting people off to bring out to to call. The, I mean, imagine Patriots Jets Week Seventeen. Like, Oof. does anyone? There is gonna be. They're gonna be zero people watching that game. Let's I mean, have, I might not even watch that damn game. Let's have you and let's have you and Ryan call Week Seventeen. Why not? Hey, I'm down. I'm in. Let's do it. <laughs> I'll be the stats guy. Um, next up is Chiefs Box. We talked about this earlier a little bit. The more I think about it, you know what? I honestly would not be shocked if this game was like the Chiefs. The Chiefs-Patriot battles of 2018, obviously now. Weather's a little nicer, and it's not in Foxborough. It's in Tampa. Right. That's true. I mean, we're gonna. it's going to be interesting to see. I think the Chiefs are the best team in the NFC, but but now they've had some games where you've been like, ooh, Chiefs, they look beatable, you know? And so I think everyone's had those games, but I think the Chiefs are just, I mean, how easy – how easy was that game-winning touchdown drive by Mahomes? I mean, it was just – it was effortless. He just drove right down the field with zero issue. And I think that that's what makes that team so scary is that they can just flip it on and they score in 30 seconds. And you're just like, holy crap, what the hell just happened? Like, before you even know what happened, you're dead. And it's really kind of – they're scary. They're a scary team, you know. And I think Tampa comes out ready to go. I think Brady always plays well against those really good teams. Um, but then again, they haven't played well against the, against the Saints either time they played them. So who knows? Tampa loses this game, though. I don't see how I don't see how they can win the division if Tampa loses this game. I mean, they'll have what? Uh, that'll be their fourth loss. That'll be their fourth loss, right? So yes. they'll be, you know, and Saints only have two. So, you know, and they've lost to the Saints twice. So now, you, now you're talking about your two and a half games back of the Saints with five games left to go. And that's that's a big hill to climb. Uh, you know, with no games against the Saints left either, so that's a big hill to climb. You got, um, and so I expect me personally, if they lose this game, I mean, you, you're playing for the five spot, and I guess the five spot isn't that bad because then you're playing against somebody uh, from you probably fighting against the NFC East winners. So it's not really that big of a deal, I suppose. It's kind of almost getting a second bye there uh, in that situation, but you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, exactly. We'll we'll see what happens. I think it's a. I can see either team winning. Um, Sunday night is Bears-Packers. Like, part of me thinks, look, the Bears are going to go in and make it a game, but then there's part of me that thinks that Aaron Rodgers is going to be Aaron Rodgers. But at the same time, like, ugh, divisional football is such a toss-up unless you're playing the Jets. But even then, the Patriots, we knew three weeks ago, that's not always the case. Aaron Rodgers gets up for those Bears games. He does. He gets up. He plays well with those Bears games. The Bears' offense is an absolute dumpster fire right now. I think that's going to be an absolute blowout. Uh, I just think, I think you know, like I said, Rodgers gets up for those games. He gets pumped for those games. He's really, like, he's elite in the, in most of those Bears games. Um, and like I said, the Bears offense, just there's no way they can keep up with them. And so, uh, to me, that should be an easy win for the Packers. Yeah, I, I only said the divisional thing just because I was like, you know what, anything can happen with the same thing. Oh, you're right, though. Yeah. I only said that, but you know what, at the same time, too, 
Uh, I think it's another loss for uh, Dub Bears. <laughs> I just had to throw it in there. I love saying it. And to finish off the, everything off Monday night, we have got the uh, Seahawks visiting the Eagles. I look at this game, and like I'm watching Monday Night Football last night, and they show the commercial for this game, and I'm like, why is this on primetime? Like, I wish Monday Night Games were flexible. Oh like, I wish you could just throw in, like, a random 1 yeah. o'clock game. Like, you could throw in Panthers-Vikings into this Monday Night slot, and I'd be more excited for it than the Seahawks-Eagle game. Like, part of me thinks that, like, look, Carson Wentz is just terrible, and I think oh, yeah. Philadelphia is going to... They're in a really tough position going forward because uh, he's making, like, $39 million a year. And it's going to be really tough to trade him. And also, too, I think... Seattle, if their defense looks the way they did against the Cardinals, it's going to be a long night for the Eagles. Well, and that's – so it's it's going to be really interesting because the the Seahawks have been so Jekyll and Hyde where some weeks are great, other weeks are terrible. And if they go in – if they go in and play the way the Seahawks can play, are they going to absolutely murder the Eagles? But if they go in and they play the way that the Seahawks have played – in some games, the Eagles have a chance to make it a game and even win. And so, you know, you look at a guy like and Russell Wilson was was the clear, in my opinion, the clear MVP of the NFL the first, you know, six, seven weeks of the season. And he's really tailed off quite a bit. Played pretty well last week, but he's really tailed off quite a bit. And that defense, you know, some days is pretty good. Some days is like the worst defense in the NFL. So, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, I expect, I expect the Seahawks win. I mean, they lose this game, man, and they're in big trouble. You lose this game, uh-huh. you know. But it's an easy win. It should be an easy win for them. Um, and so, you know, we'll see what ends up happening with them. But like, you should, if you're the Seahawks, if you're a Seahawks fan, I mean, you want to see a blowout. You don't want to see a win. You want to see a blowout because they are, you know. They're not even in the same league as as the Eagles. The Eagles have no business beating the uh, beating the the Seahawks and even really giving them a game, to be honest with you. So uh, you, that's what you want to see as a blowout. But we'll see what happens because the Seahawks have been really up and down. Do you want to know what the Seahawks' upcoming schedule is? Oh, it's, it's a cake, isn't it? Yeah, it's the Eagles, it's the football team, it's the Giants, it's the Jets, it's the Rams, and it's the Niners. They should win oh all of those, but maybe lose to the Rams. That's maybe lose to the Rams, and that that could be a big game because if the Rams have don't have a super hard schedule either. I don't believe, but like, how crazy is that that the Eagles that they have all those NFCs and the Jets game all at the end of the season? That's unbelievable, and so that's I mean that's huge for them because you know the Seahawks they started the season against the Niners, didn't they? And they lost that game. Didn't they lose week one to the Niners? Uh, the Cardinals. They started week one and they lost to the Cardinals. Yeah, the Niners lost to the Cardinals week one. Uh, For the Rams, I got it right here. Uh, At Cardinals, and then we come to town for the Thursday Nighter, and then the Jets, and then the Seahawks, and then the Cardinals again. Uh, Okay, so a little bit bit more challenging. Certainly, you know, the two Cardinals games could be challenging. But, Um, But, you know, we'll see. For the Jets, though, their December is just a... Freaking gauntlet. Raiders, Seahawks, Rams, Browns, Patriots. Bro, that's unbelievable. They're playing all playoff. Well, of course, Patriots aren't a playoff team. But other than the Patriots, other than the Patriots, they're playing all playoff teams. I mean, they're just like, and I mean, they were going to go. They're going to, maybe they have a chance. They have a chance. They could win this week. It's possible. They're not going to, but they could. They're going to be Cleveland. Watch. 
I mean, you never know. Freaking Cleveland, dude. Like, uh, but honestly, the Jets. I mean, it's one of the worst teams I've ever seen. And you know, when the Patriots were down twenty to ten at halftime to them, we all thought the season was over. We all thought it was over. Embrace like, the sock. You know, just 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 tank, blow it up. You know, and of course they came back and won, and and then they beat the Ravens the next week. So everyone was like, "Oh my God, maybe they have a chance." But really. Uh, you know, this team, I feel like, is is kind of in that, not losing to the Jets, but, like, playing, actually playing against the Jets instead of just blowing the Jets out, uh, unfortunately. And so that's where I think this team is right now, which is not a good thing. It, exactly. But I want to get back off the Jets because I want to talk some, like we were saying earlier, about potential offseason Patriot plans. But before we do that, a couple things I want to talk about with the Ravens game was I have a couple buddies who are Ravens fans, one's from high school and one's a co-worker. And the one from high school saying to me, he's like, oh, and the center was throwing the ball off, and he's been doing that all night. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah that sucks for you. We got the win. Like, no, that sucks. Like, I was kind of being like, like, oh, kind of being consoling, but at the same time, too, being like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, <laughs> even though I know my voice goes high there, but it was like that. And then even, too, my coworker, who's a Raven, buddy who's a Ravens fan, I kind of help him out with uh, who to pick. Because his pool, he's in a pool with some people that's weird, where it's like, you can pick the same team to win and lose only once a season. And I told them okay. to take the Ravens over the Patriots, and that kind of hurt me to do because I was like, look, we have no business winning this game. I was going in and expecting the worst. He came to me angry, and I was like, I do not care that I was wrong. Sometimes I will be like, I'm like, I'm sorry. I thought it was a win. But when we beat them, I was like, I do I, not care. Zero apologizing. Come zero apologizing. And look, I mean, you know, the, the, the rain argument, I get that the rain helped the Patriots because the Ravens offense is better than the Patriots. I get it, right? But... It's not like they played in different conditions. You know what I mean? Like, they played in the same the same stadium. You know, like, they played in the same stadium. So, like, they had to deal with the conditions the same way the Ravens had to deal with the, with the conditions, you know? So, look, I mean, you know, whatever. People are going to complain about it no matter what. But it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, come on. Like, we got it. It's it's fine. You know, it's, it's a little foolish. Exactly. And, um... But going on to the Patriots, just because I want to look early at offseason plans and everyone going, oh, it's week 12. And I'm like, you know what? This year is the kind of year where we got to look at the offseason already. Yep. Would you be mad if they re-signed Cam onto a short-term deal but drafted, like, Kyle Trask or Mac Jones or even, I'm blanking on his name, but the kid from BYU? Yeah, Wilson. Wilson's the kid I want. I mean, I don't know what Mac Jones, like he's from Alabama. I know two is from Alabama too, but I don't trust those Alabama. I just don't trust. I don't trust the Alabama. AJ McCarron, Greg McElroy. That's the issue, man. I don't trust the Alabama court. I don't. I don't. Uh, you know, Tua is a different animal because he's like a physical specimen. Uh, Mac Jones, I don't believe, is that type of guy. Now, I will be honest. I have never wa- I don't watch college football. At all. I don't. So uh, I am. I am not up to date on those guys. But I do know that Alabama quarterbacks historically now, like not historically, like all time, but like historically, the last like 15, 20 years have mostly kind of sucked. And so, you know, I don't want anything to do with Mac Jones in the first round because I just. It's like, nah, nah, I'm good, you know, so and we'll see again. I mean, it's, you know, guys pop and, and you see what they have and, and so on and so forth. And maybe they can make all the throws and who knows, right? Cam wise, I think for me, it depends. Okay. I think right now it's trending in the in the position where the Patriots want to keep him. Um, I don't necessarily blame them. I think that he he has done nothing really to show you that he doesn't belong as a starting quarterback in the NFL. However, 
I think that their ceiling is limited with Cam. I think they are. I think they're limited with Cam. I think that he is a limited quarterback. Uh, and, and when I say that, he can make all the throws. His diagnosis of the plays is slow. It's slow. There's, there's no other way to put it. You see it every time. His diagnosing of the plays is slow. It just is. And again, if I'm playing the Patriots, I would blitz on every single play. I'd blitz every single play because he can't handle the rush. He cannot handle the rush. There's no reason on the last play of the game when they when they blend the all-out blitz, there is absolutely no reason why that doesn't get picked up. You know, and I know maybe it was more on Illuminor that he didn't pick up the outside guy blitzing or whatever the case may be. Either way, it doesn't matter. You know, you have to check to some sort of protection where, okay, James Wise coming out of the backfield. Well, instead, he's going to chip the end. Do something. Do anything. Like, you have to have something prepared. You know they're coming. Get rid of the damn football, you know. And so, and I know that's not on him because, like, you know, he had zero time and he's just trying to make a play at the end of the game. I get it. But, like, you know, that's that may not be the best example. I just feel like his reading the defense is slow. His intermediate throws have been good. And so I think that part of it is if he gets time in the pocket, he's able to step into it, make the accurate throw, he can do that. But when you speed him up, and I think you've seen it, the short the short passes behind the line of scrimmage or within 5 to 10 yards of the line of scrimmage have been bad. They've been inaccurate. They haven't been very easy. Got, they've got a ton of them got knocked down, just like they did in, in, in Houston. And he's not hitting guys in the flat and running across the middle. And it, it doesn't seem to make any sense. But to me, it's because you're speeding him up. He's not comfortable going fast. He's, you know, he's reading the defense slowly. And when you speed that up, his mechanics takes a hit. And so he's not setting his feet. So he's throwing off his back foot or he's not, you know. And so then you get the inaccuracy problems. And so to me, I don't love it. I, I don't love it. But. If you're telling me that you know he's willing to sign a two-year deal for you know ten to fifteen million dollars, and the Patriots really don't have anyone else out there, and you know you you fine, fine, you know like I'm okay with it. It's not like they, but to me, they're in a holding pattern. If you sign Cam Newton to an extension, that tells me that you know you're going to be you know eight and eight, nine and seven next year again. Like you know, I think ten and six they're still on Cam Newton quarterback. I do. Uh, I just feel that way. You know, I might be wrong, but that's the way I feel is at 9-7, and 10-6, they're ceiling with, with Cam at quarterback. And maybe you want a playoff game, maybe you don't, we'll see. But that's what I feel like their ceiling is with Cam Newton. Um, and I know, you know, you make the weapons argument and all this other crap. But to me, watch him play. Just watch him in the pocket. He doesn't look comfortable in the pocket right away. He doesn't. And so, yeah, he makes some really good throws. But if you speed him up, he looks very uncomfortable in the pocket. And to me, that's an issue um, that, you know, isn't going away anytime soon. And so that's something that's a challenge uh, for me. And I feel like, you know, I don't want to commit real long-term significant assets to that. Um, and so, you know, we'll see what it ends up being. Like I said, two-year, somewhere between 20 and $30 million. I got no problem. Okay. okay? Just, just You know, beyond, but beyond that, mm, no thanks. No, I understand completely. I just had a similar situation. I know you and I, obviously, on a different sporting note, uh, with the NBA had different uh, free agency uh, experiences with my with the Celtics and the whole Hayward uh, circus, and then mm-hmm. I'm just only bringing this up because the Raptors. Um, obviously, we lost two of our big men, and we signed a couple of guys. Where it's kind of like mm, we'll wait and see. 
Right. But we extended Fred Van Vliet four years for $85 million, which I know sounds like a lot of money, but for what the NBA is, yeah, it was been... money that I was willing to give. Not Like, I'm not paying him myself, but it's just money that I was happy that the team gave him. So I'm just referencing that because I feel like it's a similar situation with Cam, where it's like, you know what? I look at the term and I look at the dollar and I'm like, you know what? I'm happy with that. Meanwhile, with Cam, if they do a similar deal where it's like, you know what? Two years at, let's say, even 25, so he's getting about 12 and a half a year. I'm okay with it. My biggest concern is going into the offseason next year is just getting, like, J.C. Jackson and Joe Tooney locked up. Right. And I just want to shift gears because there was a report that came out today from, I believe, Spike King about Marcus Cannon potentially retiring, which I wasn't shocked by. But the one that really hit and kind of hit me in the feels was the potential Dante Hightower retirement because... I even tweeted this out. Once Brady left, Hightower took my number one spot for favorite Patriot of all time. Mm-hmm. Had the key play in Super Bowl 49 to stop Lynch at the one. And I will go to my grave saying this, but he had probably the most key game-changing play of the 28-3 comeback in that strip sack in the fourth quarter. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you look at, you know, just look at the uh, at, at the probability of that win, right? The win probability was above 99% for the Falcons until the strip sack. That's what brought it under 99%. So, you know, really until that point, it was still like, yeah, okay, you got a chance. But And by the way, that was a touchdown. Malcolm Butler got smoked on that play. That was a touchdown pass. And, you know, if if Don, if uh, Freeman doesn't blow the block there and Hightower doesn't make the strip sack, it's, it's 35, not 28 anymore. Right. And so, you know, that's a situation where, you know, 35 to 12 instead of 28 to 12 where the Patriots get the ball. So that's that's a situation that people will kind of overlook. You forget about that. Um, Taylor Gabriel had smoked him on a double move uh, and he he was gone. He was going to score. And, you know, and of course, Hightower gets there first. But, you know, he in you can make a very strong case that outside of the quarterback, uh, he was the most important, the second most important player uh on those three Super Bowl teams um, because he was a leader of the defense. And, and I think the other part of it, too, that people forget about, and this is one of those things where, like, I, I remember, you know, Kyle Van Noy got a lot of flack. Oh, he sucks and this and that, blah, blah, Well, and the reason why is because Hightower was hurt. So what happened? Van Noy had to slide into Hightower's spot. Well, Van Noy isn't that good of a middle linebacker. He's good on the outside, good outside linebacker, not a great middle linebacker. So once you take Hightower out of position, then you play another guy's out of position, and so everything kind of, the dominoes all kind of fall down and you're like, ugh, like everything looks bad. Then Hightower slides into that spot. He plays that spot really well. Van Noy's better outside. So now all of a sudden the defense looks a million times better because you add Hightower back in. Obviously because of Hightower, but also because people play in the, the positions that they're best at. And that's something that, you know, gets overlooked as well. And losing Hightower forever would be heartbreaking. I love Hightower. He's one of my favorite players. He still blocks me on Twitter for, I have no idea why. Um, but I remember, so, and I'll tell you why, or I'll tell you probably why it is. Uh, when he, for the league, he sucked. He, he was no good. He couldn't cover. He couldn't cover. Um, he was a mess. Really that first like year and a half and going into the 2013 game against the Broncos, I said on Facebook, cause I wasn't really on Twitter back then. I said on Facebook, like, uh, just so you know, like Manning is going to absolutely decimate the worst, you know, one of the worst linebackers in the NFL, you know, Dante Hightower, and uh, and Hightower had an absolute monster game that game against them, and uh, looked great, had a great game, and 
and that was his first like, – it was like his coming out party. And from then on, he's been a great linebacker. And so it's just kind of funny. So I, I posted it like – you know, saying to myself, I tagged him and I was like, Hey, want to apologize for Hightower, the Hightower for like having this horrendous take like a few years back or whatever. And then I go to check his, one of his things and it's blocked. I'm like, I'm blocked. What the hell? You know what I mean? And so I wonder if he just didn't read it and just saw that I was, I was shitting on him and I was like, Oh crap. But you know, uh, but anyways, but he's, you know, losing him would be, would be an absolute disaster. Um, uh, for this defense, you see what their linebacking court looks like without him. And of course, Brandon Copeland got hurt. So that, Obviously, throws a kick in their plans, but, uh, you know, Bentley can't really play. Therese Hall is fine, but he really doesn't do anything. And so, you know, Uche's decent, looks pretty good, but he's an outside guy. So they don't have anyone in the middle of high top retires. So, like, that's going to be a, a massive area of need if that's the case. And uh, obviously, forget about everything he brings in the locker room, right, and the smarts that he has. Uh, you know, that's that's something that would be a huge loss for them if he retired. Exactly. It's the reason why... The one, well, I do have a couple of Patriots jerseys. I have Edelman, and I have some older ones like Moss, Walker. I got a Brady. I have a tight end who shall remain nameless in front of Pat. <laughs> and I decided to get a color rush a few years ago because it was still our color rush, and, which I know Pat, no, you, I spell it with a U. I bought a Hightower because I was like, you know what? He's a player I like. He's a player that always gets the job done. One of the best talents to come to the Patriots from Alabama. Yep. Snack, snack, hair, um, snack, Harris. That's obviously two different players. I say that because uh, Damien let the chef cook Harrison, or not Harrison, Harris. Excuse me, I'm going all over the place tonight. He's just been cooking the last two games. I know he was quiet against the um, Texans, but hopefully he can run well Sunday. Yeah, it would honestly just be a killer blow. Not like I understand every week you see Devin hyping the team up. It's what happens behind the scenes. I believe right. it was people in Jack. It was Jacksonville. I was listening. I'm going to go back to pro football talk because I remember they had Calais Campbell on, and he asked what went wrong in uh, Jacksonville, and he said that after that 2017 AFC Championship game, they lost Paul Puzlesny and I believe one other player who was very vo- oh no Mercedes Lewis. They lost two of them. Puzlesny retired, and Lewis went to the Packers, and he said they were very vocal behind the scenes. That's something I don't think a lot of the casual fan realizes is how important what goes on in a locker room dictates how you play on the field. Right. So yep. I feel like with Hightower, it would be a very similar stance like where you're seeing it this year. And even, too, in the defensive back slot, I do expect Patrick Chung to come back next season and play. Um, but, man, like just thinking about losing Hightower, it's the reason why whenever we have a bad defensive play, I literally will tweet a gif out of him or I'll tag him in a tweet saying, I miss you. Yeah, like, uh, it's tough, man, and that's yeah. so that's that's one of those things where you know you don't know. Yeah, I, it's frustrating, and we'll see. I, I don't want to. I don't want to uh, to assume that that's correct yet. You know, he might be wrong on that. Might be right. Cannon wouldn't surprise me at all. I think Cannon makes sense. He retired. Matter of fact, Pat Chung wouldn't retire. Wouldn't surprise me at all if he retired as well. I think Hightower has a little bit left in the tank, but. We'll see, right? You take, I mean, part of the problem, right? And and look, I'm remote right now. I mean, I'm teaching, but I'm remote. I mean, if I could never go back and stay at home for, forever, I mean, it's been tough, but like, it's pretty nice being at home, you know? Like, I don't know, you're at home with your family, like, you got young kids, you know, Hightower's got a young baby now, like, I don't know, is, is the will still going to be there to come back? So that that's that's a question where, yeah, he's he's over 30 now, like... Yeah, maybe maybe he's lost a step. Maybe he hasn't been working out as hard as he as he should have been. 
during the COVID. And I have no idea, right? I have no idea. Like I'm, that's completely 100% baseless. I don't know that that's the case, but like, you know, he's enjoying spending the time with his family, which he has every right to do. And I hope that he is, but like, you know, then you, all of a sudden he looks up and he's like, Oh man, like this is kind of nice. I don't know. Like maybe I shouldn't go back. And so those are the things where you can, I can see that happening. Uh, and that would really suck for the Patriots. That would really suck for the Patriots because they need him. They need him out there. And so, you know, of course, maybe there's some sort of coaching role similar to what Gerard Mayo got and whatnot. But, uh, but that would be that would be a huge blow if they lost Hightower. Uh, a, a huge blow. And so, we'll see. I don't know. Anytime I see a tweet like that where it's like, you know, oh, there's a coaching spot already lined up for him. I'm like, uh, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know if I believe that or not. Uh, but you never know. Well, well, it's a wait and see, but honestly, it's the one thing that, like, it went through me today, and it was just, like, that chill through your spine kind of moment. Mm-hmm. That's, like, that's the only other thing I wanted to add, um, but, because, but look, we got, we have, a, we, we got through a lot, we played therapists for one another, we made each other happy, we made each other sad, it's, like, if I wish I had you, I wish I'd started this years ago so I could have you on through all this happiness and glory, but you know what, I started the show and I did, It'll be, it, we'll be happy. There'll be happiness again. We'll be able to do this happiness again. I promise. I mean, I, it's coming. It's coming with Bill at the helm. It's coming. And for I believe there was a stupid articles coming out about we should fire Bill, and I'm like, no, 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 no. Uh, I don't know if that's just the Boston media trying to stir stuff, or also too I, because I still as long as Robert Kraft's at the helm, I do have full faith that he's gonna steer the team in the right direction. Same with Bill, because look, Bill will give. Uh, Rob will give Bill his uh, or Rob that's weird Robert will give Bill his vote of confidence and I have no faith going forward it does suck this year that there will be no fans in the stands but obviously it's for the best and hopefully in 2021 there are considering who is coming to town oh man in a game listen they're gonna have to they're gonna have to arrest me they're gonna have to arrest me I will be in that I will be in the building cheering for Tom when he comes out of it. Like, I will be there. Like, I, they can't stop me. Like, I'm telling you, like, they're going to have to put cops at, because people feel that way. Like, could you imagine if Tom came back to New England and we weren't there to, like, to cheer him that he came back? I mean, that would be insane. I would be, we would be dead. We would die, dude. That would just be so frustrating. And I know that anyone that has a ticket to that game, which any season ticket holder, like you would literally have to put the the police at the entrances saying you can't come in, like because we're getting in, like we're going. It does, you can't stop us. And so, you know, uh, you're right. Like, really, really hope that we're able to be. Because I'd rather not get arrested. You know, I'd rather not get arrested. So, so I really hope that they're allowing fans into that game. I, I really hope so too, because I remember. It was a tweet from your buddy, uh, Ryan Spagnoli, who's also your co-host of your podcast, who I actually should mention right now, guys, will be on next week with me to recap Week 12 in the Pats Cards game. So I have one half of the Pats Nation podcast this week uh-huh. in my uh, good buddy Pat Lane and new buddy of the show, Ryan Spagnoli, otherwise known as Spags, coming on this coming Monday night, which will be out probably Monday night or Tuesday morning. He'll be on with me. Just want to throw that out there. But he tweeted that out saying... Good luck not having that game in front of uh, 68,756 people. Yeah. I replied to him saying, I would love to be there. i probably have to sell a kidney to get into the building. Because <laughs> yep. I told you this before off air, but because I was thinking about doing it this year before like COVID hit and everything about going to a game. But if everything's good and clear next year, I would love to be in Foxborough for a game tailgating with you and your buddies and or whoever you go to your games with. 
Yeah, hey, man. You know, if you make it down for a game, hit me up. I mean, I'd love to, you know, love to have you come through. It's one of those things, man. You know, we did, so not this, obviously not this year, but last, you know what, was it even last year? I think it was the 2018 season. It was the 2018 season, not even the 2019 season, because I had surgery the 2019 season, so I was able to go. But the 2018 season, we went down to Tennessee for the Tennessee game. Of course, they get blown out, but uh, it was so much fun. We had an absolute blast down there and you know this whole covid thing hit and of course like then when i was able to go last year and i was like okay whatever like things just didn't line up where i was able to go and then you know we get this whole lockdown and everything and, and i just feel like you appreciate things a little bit more you know now that we're, we're in this situation and i feel like you know you, you appreciate the things that you have and the things you're able to do and i just said you know i'm gonna have to try i, I really wanted to try to go to a way game every year and i think i was like you know what Screw it, man. Like, once we're able to do things again, like, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm just – I'm doing it every year. I'm picking a game and just going to an away game every year because it's like you might as well. When you have the opportunity and maybe, okay, the money's a little – that's a kind of expensive and blah, 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 whatever. It doesn't matter. Like, you got the time. Do it. You know, like, this is now the time to do those things. And, and I think 100%, you know, if you're able to do it – and who cares? Maybe it's the Jets that they play. Whatever. It doesn't matter. You're in Gillette. That's the point. You know what I mean? So it's like – so do it, you know, like I, I agree hundred percent, like get on board and, uh, and, uh, assuming that they're allowing fans in, which hopefully they are, you know, go to the game. Absolutely. Uh, you know what? I don't even like this year, the games I looked at potentially for going to, this was back in like when the schedule came out and I'm like, Oh, Hey, maybe it's fine by then was probably either the, uh, Raider game or the Bronco game. That was one of those two that I was right. looking at. So it could be against anyone. Like, Obviously, would I love to be there for Tampa? Because I, if I had to put money on it right now, I'm betting that it's going to be Sunday night football. It should be Sunday night oh, football. Sure. I don't see, uh, like, unless CBS like or Fox or whoever lures it away and pays a lot of money for it to be 4:25. It deserves. But I'm already. I was already thinking about that week that for next year. I'm like literally hearing every single ESPN, no matter what podcast I listen to or radio show, it's going to be literally talking about the hype for that game. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. I already anticipate it. Well, anyway, Pat, like I said before, we had our ups and downs today, emotionally, not friend-wise, emotionally about football. But I yep. thank you for coming on once again, man. You're always a great. You're always a great time to talk to. Hey, man, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Anytime, buddy. Anytime. It's always fun coming on here. Anyway, thank you very much. I appreciate the kind words. But anyway, you and your. I hope you and your family have a happy Thanksgiving. Same thing to all my American listeners. And Thank you. I, I'd say the same thing to you, but of course, you guys don't celebrate Thanksgiving. Uh, we had ours actually about um, six weeks ago. No, see, there you go. You already had Thanksgiving, so yeah. uh, hopefully it was good. You know, I, I hope. Uh, I hope well, you taking the day off, right? So yeah. I, I say to all my all my friends and all my students is that my wish for you is that you fall asleep on the couch watching football. I mean, like, what better day could that be? You know, I'm gonna take my nap during the Washington Dallas game. See, there you go. Perfect. You get the football. You taking. You know, you have a nice nice big lunch. And then you uh, you sit down and you fall asleep during a boring football game. But there's football on, and that's all that matters. Exactly, exactly. Oh, well, anyway, guys, we'll see you later. And like I said, for happy Thanksgiving. And big thanks to Pat Lane of the Pats Nation podcast once again. Check out him there and also to his writings on the Pats pulpit for the Lane breakdown after every single New England Patriots home game. Hey, thanks, man. Appreciate it. No problem. Good night, everyone. Or good morning, afternoon, evening to quote the Truman Show. Whatever time you're listening to this, hope you enjoyed it. 
I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network.